Oh, dear. We become a race of peeping toms. What people ought to do is get outside their own house and look in for a change. Yes, sir. How's that for a bit of homespun philosophy? Frank Sinatra, transcribed as Rocky Fortune. NBC presents Frank Sinatra, starring as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Hi. You know, it takes a real artist to get real involved. And brother, when it comes to that art, I'm the original Michelangelo. But I gotta admit, I ask for it sometimes. This was one of those times. I was mad. Mad enough to dream this rack of mine up to seven feet of steel. Maybe I was just a lox looking for a bagel blanket, but some smooth creep put a permanent curl in my lip. It's not tough to understand when circumstances puts a guy on the wrong road. Slums make monsters out of a lot of good citizens, but when a creep uses education, money, and a decent background to give him a background of crime, this is real slime. This guy wasn't even domestic. We imported him. I met this here gentleman when he was going with the sister of one of my neighborhood buddies. Her name was Ellie. She was fast, frustrated 40, but it wasn't her fault. She spent her manhunting years looking after five brothers and, a, and sisters and heating the Saturday night bathwater on the stove of the cold water flat. I didn't know there was a guy in the picture till we were talking one night. Rocky, you got a good head on your shoulders. What do you think I should do? What's with this Dorothy Dix jazz? Do about what? Well, now that all the kids except Sammy are married, I, I'd like to get married, too. You mean Ellie's got a fella? Didn't you think it was possible? Oh, come on, honey. I'm kidding. Who said it wasn't possible? The guy who gets you is real lucky. Only I didn't know there was a guy. Who is he? Where'd you meet him? I... I, I, I can't tell you, Rocky. So you picked up a guy. That's something It's wrong? not that I never picked up a man in my life. Only it's not easy for a girl my age to meet eligibles. I, uh... I answered Nad. Ellie... You fell for that routine? So why not? There's some nice refined ads you see. Most of them are like me, Rocky. They're lonely. I figured I'd maybe meet a nice widower who wanted somebody to look after him. But you asked me what I thought. Does that mean you met somebody? That's right, Rocky. Rocky wants to marry me. Well, how come your brother Sammy never mentioned this? Doesn't he know about it? No. No, Rocky, and, and, and don't tell him. I, I know already what he'll say about Elmer. About who? Oh, now, don't you laugh, Rocky. His name is Elmer, Elmer Brock. Ouch. I met him through an exceptionally well-worded ad. And I consider myself very fortunate. And if you're going to make fun of me, I'm sorry I ever burdened you with my problem. Oh, now, honey, take it easy. Ellie, you know I love you like you were one of my own. Only you should talk this over with Sammy and let him meet this guy. Sammy has nothing in common with Elmer. 
that they, they, that they speak different languages. What does this guy talk? Hindustan or something? He happened to be a, a, a very cultured and, and refined gentleman. So what's a cultured, refined gentleman with so much on the ball doing advertising for company? What's the matter with him? He's lonely, Rocky. But like I'm lonely. You, you make people laugh. You got charm. You, you got lots of friends. You don't know what it's like to sit and have a conversation all by yourself. You, you sit and you talk to yourself, and, and then you realize that no words are coming out. It's, it's only your mind can hear you. And then you start thinking maybe you're losing your mind. It's a horrible thing to be lonely, Rocky. It's like having a hole in your heart. Sure, I, I guess maybe I got a hole in my head, not my heart. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, Ellie. Sure. I guess you ought to marry him at that. Thanks, Rocky. Thanks for telling me that. She thanked me for advising her to marry him. That was almost funny. Because I found out a lot of things after that. For example, I found out why she didn't want to tell Sammy and have him meet the Zelma. Ellie knew she shouldn't marry him. She was afraid Sammy would talk her into being sensible. She didn't want to be sensible. She just wanted to be married. So Ellie got her fella and got married. Sammy wasn't too happy about it. Six months later, he got the real reaction. You know what that sound is? That's a man crying. Crying his guts out. You know what it's like to sit and listen to a grown man? A guy you grew up with tear himself in two. And nothing you can do about it. Just sit and torture yourself. Bleed. And cry inside with him till finally you can't stand it any longer. Stop it, kid. Come on, stop it. I can't. Rocky. Rocky, I, I can't. I can't help it, Rocky. What's in you, kid? What is it? it it's Ellie, Rocky. Ellie's dead. <laughs> I'll give you the details just like the lonely Mr. Fancy Pants from abroad gave it to the coroner at the inquest. We had been out visiting some friends. My wife had been kind of quiet all evening. Usually she only takes a single drink. This night she had four or five and they, they seemed to depress her. When we arrived home, she said she had something on her mind and wanted to drive and think it out alone. Since it had already been a most unusual evening, I didn't question her. I was tired and had a few myself, so I fell asleep immediately and and slept quite soundly. I I found her in the morning. Evidently, she had driven into the garage and fallen asleep at the wheel with the engine running. It must have been an accident. It was no accident. Ellie didn't drink. This court finds the deceased, Ellie Brunt, came to her death on the night of December 2nd by inhaling carbon monoxide fumes. Death was accidental. There was no accident. He killed her, I tell you. He killed her and I'll kill him. All right, easy, easy, kid. Come on, Sam. Quiet. I finally got the kid sat on, but the damage was already in. 
Anything happens to Mr. Fancy Pants and the kid is booked solid for a one-way trip to Sing Sing. I make coffee time with him and try to bring sense to some plans. I only know one thing, Rocky. Ellie gave her whole life to raising us kids. For herself, she had nothing. All she knew was work. Take care of the house, go to the movies once a week. Rocky. Sure, sure she wound up with a few grand after the kids got married. She had herself a time. I know that, Sam. I know your kids were her whole life. And if anything happens to you now, that means she wasted her life. The other kids got families, Rocky. They, they can't take any chances. Ellie was all the family I had left. Ellie's dead. And he killed her, Rocky. The law don't say that, kid. The law says it's an accident. And unless you got proof, you gotta go by the law. I don't need proof. She was my sister, Rocky. She was all I had. This creep killed her. I got nobody left. Nothing more to lose. Rocky, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. Two things told me the kid's words were Emma's. The look in his eye and the bulge in his coat pocket. Sammy was a fighter and a rough-and-go kid, but he never packed a heater. So I had to get to Mr. Fancy Pants and get him to leave town before Sammy killed him. I knew Sammy would take the subway downtown and take the train out to the island where they had their house. Me, with my no-expense account, had to beat him out there. A 15-cent phone call could maybe save me four bucks taxi. I invested. Elmer, this is Rocky Fortune. Oh, I'm glad you called, Rocky. I feel very badly about Sammy. It's it's horrible enough that Ellie is gone, but can't you possibly convince Sammy that it was an accident? That's why I'm calling you, pal. I can't convince Sammy. We better do some talking right away. Well, that's fine. Can you come out here? Wouldn't do any good. You're having company, and you better not be home when the company gets there. What do you mean? I mean Sammy's on his way out, and he's liable to want some target practice for the heater in his pocket. You could be the target. That's all I had to say. Twenty minutes and one speeding ducket later. It's open. I got here as quickly as I could. I noticed. Sit down and listen to some news, Mr. Broff. Tune in real close because there ain't going to be a second time. I'm awfully sorry to do it, Rocky, but if, if Sammy actually has a gun, I should be forced to go to the police for protection until I leave town. Where are you going? Well, I, I don't know yet. There too many memories around the house and around the town. You know how it is. You know, Elmer, somehow I got no tears for you. I think you're a rotten liar. You got Ellie's insurance, you're selling the house, and you're blowing town. A nice, pretty, convenient package. So you think as Sammy does. Don't put words in my mouth, Mr. Broff. I'm liable to spit them back at you. And I'm getting mad. I'm getting real mad, just looking at you. You just gave me the whole bit. I think Sammy's right. What would a fancy pants like you want with a 40-year-old sweetheart like Ellie? Why would you marry her? I married her because I loved her. Nice try, but no cigar, Mac. You married her for the 10 or 11,000 bucks you're in line for. I won't bother denying anything to you. There's no reason why I should. Ellie's case is closed by the police. And aren't you real lucky? So Ellie's case is closed and off you go with the loot. Let's just get a repeat performance on what happened, huh? I already told you the entire story to the police, and the case is closed. I just now opened it, Mr. Broff, and I just might open your head. Take your hands off me. Stop making with a Shakespearean drama. I'm only making sure you're sitting in that chair and not running to the cops. Not till you satisfy one question that bothers me. There's no reason for me to have to satisfy you. 
It hurts that I should have to disagree with such a distinguished man, but sit still or I'll beat your brains in. Oh, what do you want to know? Now you're getting smart. In my head, I've been running over the details. Now, in the first place, like Sammy says, Ellie never went much on the liquor kick. And even if she did get loaded and did fall asleep in the garage with the motor running, who closed the garage door? Why, I don't remember that it was closed. You told the coroner at the beginning of the inquest that it was closed. Yes, I, I suppose I did. So I get a picture of Ellie getting out of the car, closing the garage door, getting back in the car, and falling asleep. Something's wrong with that picture, pal. Well, I didn't want to bring that out, but it, it bothered me, too. I, I know what happened. But I didn't want to harm Ellie's memory. She, she must have committed suicide. Why didn't the cops say that at the inquest? I have no idea. There's, there's no use digging that up, Rocky. You can, you can only harm Ellie's memory. The man's worried about Ellie's memory. That's real touching. It also stinks. That felt real good. That felt right. Get something straight, Rocky. I can defend myself. You better get something straight, buddy. If I'm right, you're going to have to. I'm not going to sit here and have myself set up either as a punching bag for you or a clay pigeon for Sammy. I'm getting police protection while I'm in town. If you go near the cops, I go to the insurance company and tell them you told me Ellie committed suicide. There was a double indemnity on that policy, and I'll bet you collect double because it was ruled an accidental death. What do you want me to do? That's better. I'm calling the shots now, Mr. Fancy Pants, and I'll level with you. I tell Sammy nothing because if I do, he's sure to kill you. That helps nothing. You're going to remove yourself from the local scene as of right now. And I'm going to get you, mister, and I'm going to do it nice and legal. I want you in one piece and very healthy. I'm going to see to it that you get an extra special crew cut in a draped shape with a slip pants leg. We got no case now, but one day you're going to be happy to turn yourself into the cops. Because that's the only way you'll ever get away from me. Make your plans, mister. Play your traveling music because you're traveling fast and I'm walking behind you. While Fancy Pants gets set for his trip, I call my pal, Sergeant Hamilton J. Finger of the local Gestapo. He verifies what I already know. You need fact to hold a guy for murder. The cops don't play hunches. He gets one bright idea, and he figures the pattern is pretty set. Could be Brough worked the same gimmick back in the old country. He'd run a make through Scotland Yard. Finger reminded me of something else. If Mr. Brough is a killer, I stand to lose something mighty important to me, namely my life. With the financial aid of those who lose their heads easily, I'd get set to travel. Bruffs buys the drawing room to Los Angeles two days later. Figuring I'm as good as him any day, I buy the same style. Two days later finds us leaving Chicago. I keep low at first, and then accidentally on purpose, just as he's ordering dessert in the diner. How do you spell cyanide, pal? I want to order some dessert for you. What's the idea, Rocky? I told you I was working a mustard plaster deal on you. Figured it was time I showed. What do you want now? I want to know how you got Ellie so loaded that she sat still while you killed her. I, I didn't kill her. I know you said that. She committed suicide. Ellie actually committed suicide when she married you. Only you helped to get to the burying stage. Now, look, Rocky, I'll make a deal with you. You're, you're a young chap. You never had too much money. If, if you call off this insane chase, I'll... I'll give you $5,000. Five grand. I'm flattered. 
So you're that afraid of me? Get something through your head, Rocky. Physically, I'm not afraid of you. This much I'll admit. I married Ellie because I needed the money, her money. I may even have made her slightly unhappy. Unhappy enough to commit suicide. I may even have made her suicide look accidental so I could collect on the double indemnity. But you have proof of nothing. Now be clever. Take the 5,000. Do you know what Sammy would do to you if I ever repeated this conversation Well, you won't do that. You protected me against Sammy simply because you knew he'd kill me and would have to pay for it. In the eyes of the law, he would have killed an innocent man. I wonder what would stop me from killing you. I hate you enough to carve your guts. You better be careful, Rocky. I may just grow to hate you that much, too. That's when I was sure I was looking into the eyes of a cold-blooded murderer. And he was looking into the eyes of the guy he wanted most to kill. Hey, that's me. Like a flash, it came to me that for a change, I was running off of the mouth much too much. The next stop the train made found me making a collect call to one sergeant finger. As soon as I heard the call was collect, I knew it was you, Rocky. You still with Bruff? Like chewing gum on a baby, only I got a feeling I may be sorry, finger, this guy's a killer. I know. How long a stopover were you only a couple of minutes. Why? Well, never mind now. There's no time. Listen, I just got word back this guy's wanted in more countries than money. Three dames had fatal accidents, and he was married to them when they had their accident. And we got orders to grab him right away. And I tell you what, you have the train held, get the police immediately, and don't you try anything yourself. What am I using for authority? My chicken inspector's badge? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And if he gets wind of anything, he'll skip. I'll tell you what. I'll rush a wire through to your next stop. It'll verify your story. When you get to Ogden, you show the wire to the authorities and have them hold them. Then call me. Now I'm working for the cops. What's with the loot, pal? Talk about that when you get back. If I get back. I was one nervous Joe when I got back on the train. Here I was back to back with a killer. And I set myself up as a kingpin in his bowling alley. I spend my time keeping a make on my neighbor and my ear glued to the compartment wall between us. I'm concentrating on the sound next door so much and the lullaby of the rail starts ushering in the Sandman. I fight to stay awake. I lose the fight. A little later, I shake myself awake, happy that I still can. A telegram from Finger. This I need quickly. I could have slept through the delivery, so I ring to find out. Yes, sir, Mr. Fortune, there was a telegram for you. Where is it, son? Well, I started to knock at your door, but the man in the next compartment said you were asleep and didn't want to be disturbed. My neighbor told you that? That's right. He said I had a telegram in my hand and... And you gave him the telegram for me? Well, I always see you both together, so I figured it would be okay. By now he knows the whole story. Did I do wrong? Man, you just gave me a one-way ticket to paradise, only who wants to be an angel? I'll go get the telegram from him. Ah, by now it's in pieces. Where are we? How soon do we get into Ogden? Almost there, sir. About ten minutes. Happy to see you up and about, Rocky. Yeah. I'm tickled to death myself. Let's get some air. Who needs it? Excuse me, sir. I got some things to take care of. We both need it. For a smart laddie, you make some stupid mistakes. Do you realize you've actually prodded me into killing you? Nice of me, wasn't it? Look, Ralph. Use that gun and you'll have the whole train on your back in a minute. Oh, I realize that. I also realize that if I get rid of you before we hit Ogden, there'll be no one to call the police. Most of the passengers are asleep and there'll be no one in the observation car. I don't need a diagram, Mr. Accident Specialist. 
I didn't need a diagram. I was scheduled for a fall. And this time, there wasn't even a dame involved. It was a short hike to that observation car, and he was right behind me all the time with a gun in my ribs. The trip back was uneventful. Didn't meet a soul and couldn't make a thing happen. Nothing there but a club car, a bar, and no drinkers. Suddenly, the rear doors open and my future has arrived. My future home, that is. Nestled between two shining steel rails with cinders for my pillow. The man finally made a noise. Turn around, Rocky. I said turn. That's it. Now start backing towards the guardrail. It happened. I saw it happen, but I didn't believe it. Go! Drag him inside, boys. Yeah. Drag me with him, boys. I don't think I can make it alone. I don't know where you guys came from, but I'm sure happy to see you. Oh, we've had the front, middle, and rear of the train covered since you left your last stop. We were hiding behind the bar when you walked through the club car. How did you know about it? Got a call from Sergeant Finger. He was afraid Bruff would try to kill you before you reached Ogden. We couldn't tackle Bruff while he had the gun in your ribs. When he got you outside, the noise made it possible to sneak up on him without being heard or seen. Why didn't that idiot Finger tell me he was having a train boarded? I just lost ten years of my life. Don't be rough on that idiot Finger, Mr. Fortune. His call saved your life. Yeah, get you in tennis set to receive some news, pal. I love idiots. From here to eternity. NBC has presented Frank Sinatra as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Others in tonight's cast included Paula Victor, Tom McKee, John Sutton, Barney Phillips, Jay Loft-Lynn, and Maurice Hart. Tonight's script was written by Norm Sickle. Andrew C. Love directed. to tell you about next week's adventure, here's Frank Sinatra as Rocky Fortune. Next week, I'll tell you about the time I got hired by the Rodeo just before someone shot the boss and rustled the gate receipts. I ended up with a six-shooter in my back and an invitation to be guest of honor at a Western fashion show, modeling an 18-foot necktie made of rope. If you're a driver who likes to travel at night because the highways are less crowded than in the daytime, you're courting danger and should be extra careful. Although fewer cars travel the roads at night, the death rate per vehicle is four times greater at night than in the daytime in proportion to traffic volume. If you must travel at night, use the utmost caution. Most of all, slow down from your normal daytime driving speed. The two biggest factors causing an alarming increase in night accidents are bad driving vision and excessive speed. 
Safety experts say that more than 20 million motorists have bad driving vision at night. About 3 million have vision so bad at night that they are dangerous when they drive. Now, you may have the vision of an owl after dark, but your number may be up if you drive too fast or become involved in an accident with one of these drivers with extremely bad night vision. Avoid driving at night whenever possible, and at all times drive as though your life depends on it. It does. Visit with Fibber McGee and Molly tonight on the NBC Radio Network.